0: I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Phil Stayer. He's a veterinarian at Sanderson Farms. Always great to see you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. Now, normally when we get together, we talk about antibiotics or certain health problems, but today it's gonna to be more about a management approach. You've been taking a hard look at what's known as Maslow's Pyramid. Now, I don't know much about that, and I don't know if many of our viewers do, I think it was some kind of a psychological theory from the mid part of school. the 20th yeah, century, yeah, wasn't so. it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so you're you're drawing on psychology from the 1940s and applying it to poultry. How? Well, you know, I hate to
1: say anthropomorphize, but you know we went through psychology, which is study the mind of man. And Maslow's pyramid is you meet the basic needs first, and then find that self-actualization. So as you go up this pyramid, you find what's less vital to the animal, or the person, and what makes them more towards contentedness. So I thought in the same lines of chickens, you know, are we meeting the needs of the chicken and have they, let's say reached self-actualization, but have they got the best life they can have in our commercial production? And some of this comes back with some of these different auditing uh, measures or folks that would push for one thing or another that's not in commercial production now.
0: But, but how can we measure best life for the chicken?
1: That's, I think, observation. I think as veterinarians, we're trained, when we take care of an animal, to watch that animal. We don't put ourselves in the place of that animal because animals do things that we necessarily want to do, nor do they want things that we want. So you can't say that I'm going to become the dog or the cat or the chicken. So you got to look at those things those animal behaviors that would indicate that they're in a state of contentedness. And I go through the Maslow's pyramid, which is what's basic for a chicken. What do they need the most of or what's the most basic parameter they need and they are a prey species, so they need to be protection from predators. They need to be confined, contained, which in, in the United States is typically a chicken house. Then the next thing they need is they need thermal comfort. They need comfort protection from the environment. They were placed and designed to be in Asia, the, the red jungle fowl of Asia. They weren't designed to be in North America. So we've got to make that environment as close to that Asian environment as possible, which is going to be temperature regulation. And we see it also in baby chicks. If baby chicks aren't thermally comfort, they won't go to food and water. You've got to get them at the right temperature for them to get up and eat. So then the next step after that, after we vent their protection, their thermal comfort, is then going to be the food and water. And all species need to eat and drink. But actually in a chicken world, of reality, that's up the line of their needs. They first need to be protected before they will eat. They need to be comfortable before they will eat.
0: But aren't most poultry companies doing this already? Exactly.
1: So that's the next level. So that's commercial production. So why do commercial production, why do we have solid wall houses? Why don't we have windows in the houses? Why don't we put toys in there? Because that's some of the things that are being asked for now. It's because those needs up there aren't really a need of a chicken at all. Because above food and water then is going to be their social animal. They need to be among the flock, which in the commercial production, you'll have a house full of chickens. They have a bunch of peers beside each other. But they don't need to be self entertained. They are content to be with their flock mates. And, a very easy example of this, when I was early on in my current job, we were trying to uh, assess the best way to carry a chicken into the cage to take them to the processing plant. Me and another veterinarian, both of us licensed trained veterinarians, individually handled chickens and took one at a time in each hand and moved them to the cages, which is not typical commercial production. Typically, a chicken catcher will put multiple chickens in their hand. And we found that when we put our chickens in our cages, we had more trauma to those chickens than the the other guys that were catching multiple chickens per hand. It came down to a chicken with a buddy, more chicken contact with each other, were more comfortable than they were by themselves. Which again, evidence of they're a flock animal. They don't want to be by themselves. So I think we meet those needs of a chicken pretty well in commercial production. I don't think putting windows in a chicken house is a good thing for a chicken. That might make me feel good. It's brighter and I'm a human, I like that. But a chicken, if you turn the lights up on a chicken house, which immediately you're gonna find is just social stress. If they're used to a, a, a dim environment and you make it a bright environment, immediately they're gonna find out who's boss. to no, But there have been
0: studies showing the benefits of you know, UV light versus white light and so forth, right?
1: Well, benefits in what sense, yes. I mean, uh, performance benefits for sure on light intensity, but then light duration and some of these other studies, um, Work's been done in Canada and UK, but then there's been worked done here in, uh, in the United States, particularly in Mississippi, uh, USDA R.S. that shows a day length and, and uh, intensity that there's quite a range that's accepted within a chicken. So again, you listen to the chickens and see what they perform with. Uh, I don't say that I think you know eight hours of sleep is what I need, it's what a chicken needs. Maybe not so. And so you, you do the research to find out what is that best rest for that chicken. And it turns out that's not necessarily eight hours of, of rest.
0: How can, how can your peers uh, apply this to, to their everyday jobs as poultry veterinarians? What questions should they be asking themselves about their current practices and maybe what new opportunities should they consider?
1: I think it has more to do with some of the uh, other, say, not say consumer pressures, but special interest pressures. You know, as we as veterinarians are involved in the animal well-being of our flocks. And so it's incumbent upon us to do the best thing for those flocks. Not necessarily to listen to what the popular media says or what the popular press says. At times, I think it's difficult. You know, when you say, well, it looks like this appearance is such as. You know, again, if I walk into a chicken house as a human, I would like the lights to be bright. But if I do that, it's not necessarily good for the chickens. And so I think as my peers, as we face these um, special interest pressures, maybe, uh, it behooves us to stand on one observational, we've been here 20 years. And we've seen what we take care of an animal, and, and a lot of these folks haven't been in, in there that long for sure. Okay.
0: Can you take this approach with disease management?
1: Yes, I think you can. You, know, you go back to, you know, I hate to say it, you learn by your experiences, and sometimes you learn by your failures. But in terms of disease management, um, we see things that have worked better than others. And so as we uh, raise our animals, we think about, okay, this didn't work the last time, let's do it different this time. and and. For instance, like say brooding the chickens, now, we've got to keep them warm for a season, uh, higher temperatures when they're younger, and, and reduce the temperature. If you keep them too close, too long, you're going to induce another coccidiosis. So you have to loosen them up in time. So you learn that if you didn't do it right this time, you change the next behavior. So I think we do that pretty much continual improvement. I think in a lot of different ways and disease management being one of those.
0: And then of course the other big objective is food safety. Um, could this Maslow's Pyramid be applied to trying to improve a uh, salmonella control program, for example?
1: I don't want to say Maslow's Pyramid, but would you say what's the biggest bang for the buck maybe? What's the most efficacious intervention? And, and I think so. I think, you know, what things would drive less pathogens coming into the processing plant? And I think we've all agreed that a healthy animal is going to bring less pathogens in. And so when you have good livability, that's your foundation, that's your basis. But the next step, what more can we do to reduce pathogens coming to plant? And there's vaccinations, there's uh, acidification, there's various other interventions we can do. But the biggest thing we can do for our animals is take care of them so they don't get disease to begin with.
0: Now, are you sharing this advice with your colleagues? Every day. <laughs> Every day, yeah. very good. Well, we appreciate you sharing it with the industry. Certainly,
1: thank you, Joe. We've
0: been talking to Phil Steyer, he is a head veterinarian at Sanderson Farms. Phil, always great to see you, thank you. Thank you, Joe.